story four of the grim smile of the five towns by arnold bennett this librivox recording is in the public domain story four the nineteenth hat a dramatic moment was about to arrive in the joint career of stephen cheswardine and vera his wife the motor-car stood by the side of the pavement of the strand torquay that resort of southern wealth and fashion the chauffeur felix had gone into the automobile shop to procure petrol mr cheswardine looking longer than ever in his long coat was pacing the busy footpath mrs cheswardine her beauty obscured behind a flowing brown veil was lolling in the tonneau very pleased to be in the tonneau very pleased to be observed by all torquay in the tonneau very satisfied with her husband and with the napier car and especially with felix now buying petrol suddenly mrs cheswardine perceived that next door but one to the automobile shop was a milliner's she sat up and gazed according to a card in the window an after-season sale was in progress that june day at the milliner's there were two rows of hats in the window each hat plainly ticketed mrs cheswardine descended from the car crossed the pavement and gave to the window the whole of her attention she sniffed at most of the hats but one of them of green straw with a large curving green wing on either side of the crown and a few odd bits of fluffiness here and there pleased her it was parisian she had been to paris uh, once an after-season sale at a little shop in torquay would not perhaps seem the most likely place in the world to obtain a chic hat it is moreover a notorious fact that really chic hats cannot be got for less than three pounds and this hat was marked ten shillings nevertheless hats are most mysterious things their quality of being chic is more often the fruit of chance than of design particularly in england you never know when nor where you may light on a good hat vera considered that she had lighted on one they're probably ducks feathers dyed she said to herself but it's a darling of a hat and it will suit me to a tee as for the price when once you have taken the ticket off a hat the secret of its price is gone forever many a hat less smart than this hat has been marked in bond street at ten guineas instead of ten shillings hats are like oil paintings they are worth what people will give for them so vera approached her husband and said with an enchanting innocent smile lend me half a sovereign will you doggy she called him doggy in those days because he was sort of a dogman a sort of saint bernard shaggy and big with faithful eyes and he enjoyed being called doggy but on this occasion he was not to be bewitched by the enchanting innocence of the smile nor by the endearing epithet he refused to relax his features you aren't going to buy another hat are you he asked sternly challengingly the smile disappeared from her face and she pulled her slim young self together yes she replied harshly the battle was definitely engaged you may inquire why a man financially capable of hiring a twenty twenty-four horsepower napier car with a french chauffeur named felix for a week or more should grudge his wife ten shillings for a hat 
well you are to comprehend that it was not a question of ten shillings it was a question of principle vera already had eighteen hats and it had been clearly understood between them that no more money should be spent on a tire for quite a long time vera was entirely in the wrong she knew it and he knew it but she wanted just that hat and they were on their honeymoon you know which enormously intensified the poignancy of the drama they had been married only six days in three days more they were to return to the five towns where stephen was solidly established as an earthenware manufacturer you who have been through them are aware what ticklish things honeymoons are and how much depends on the tactfulness of the more tactful of the two parties stephen thirteen years older than vera was the more tactful of the two parties he had married a beautiful and elegant woman with vast unexploited capacities for love in her heart but he had married a capricious woman and he knew it so far he had yielded to her caprices as well became him but in the depths of his masculine mind he had his own private notion as to the identity of the person who should ultimately be master in their house and he had decided only the previous night that when the next moment for being firm arrived firm he would be and now the moment was upon him it was their eyes that fought silently bitterly there is a great deal of bitterness in true love stephen perceived the affair broadly in all its aspects he was older and much more experienced than vera and therefore he was responsible for the domestic peace and for her happiness and for his own and for appearances and for various other things he perceived the moral degradation which would be involved in an open quarrel during the honeymoon he perceived the difficulties of a battle in the street in such a select and prim street as the strand torquay where the very backbone of england's respectability goes shopping he perceived vera's vast ignorance of life he perceived her charm and her naughtiness and all her defects and he perceived further that this being the first conflict of their married existence it was of the highest importance that he should emerge from it the victor to allow vera to triumph would gravely menace their future tranquillity and multiply the difficulties which her adorable capriciousness would surely cause he could not afford to let her win it was his duty not merely to himself but to her to conquer but on the other hand he had never fully tested her powers of sheer obstinacy her willingness to sacrifice everything for the satisfaction of a whim and he feared these powers he had a dim suspicion that vera was one of that innumerable class of charming persons who are perfectly delicious and perfectly sweet so long as they have precisely their own way and no longer vera perceived only two things she perceived the hat although her back was turned towards it and she perceived the half-sovereign although it was hidden in stephen's pocket but my dear stephen protested you know will you lend me half a sovereign vera repeated in a glacial tone the madness of a desired hat had seized her she was a changed vera she was not a loving woman not a duteous young wife nor a reasoning creature 
she was an embodied instinct for hats it was most distinctly agreed stephen murmured restraining his anger just then felix came out of the shop followed by a procession of three men bearing cans of petrol if stephen was napoleon and vera wellington felix was the blucher of this deplorable altercation impossible to have a row yes a row with your wife in the presence of your chauffeur with his french ideas of chivalry will you lend me half a sovereign vera reiterated in the same glacial tone not caring tuppence for the presence of felix and stephen by means of an interminable silver chain drew his sovereign case from the profundity of his hip pocket it was like drawing a bucket out of a well and he gave vera half a sovereign and that was like knotting the rope for his own execution and while felix and his three men poured gallons and gallons of petrol into a hole under the cushions of the tonneau stephen swallowed his wrath on the pavement and vera remained hidden in the shop and the men were paid and went off and felix took his seat ready to start and then vera came out of the hat place and the new green hat was on her head and the old one in a bag in her pretty hands what do you think of my new hat felix she smiled to the favoured chauffeur i hope it pleases you felix said that it did in these days chauffeurs are a great race and a privileged they have usurped the position formerly held by military officers women fawn on them take fancies to them and spoil them they can do no wrong in the eyes of the sex vera had taken a fancy to felix perhaps it was because he had been in a cavalry regiment perhaps it was merely the curve of his moustache who knows and felix treated her as only a frenchman can treat a pretty woman with a sort of daring humility with worship in short with true gallic appreciation vera much enjoyed gallic appreciation it ravished her to think that she was the light of poor felix's existence an unattainable star for him of course stephen didn't mind that is to say he didn't really mind the car rushed off in the direction of exeter homewards that day by means of felix's expert illegal driving they got as far as bath and there were no breakdowns the domestic atmosphere in the tonneau was slightly disturbed at the beginning of the run but it soon improved indeed after lunch stephen grew positively bright and gay at tea which they took just outside bristol he actually went so far as to praise the hat he said that it was a very becoming hat and also that it was well worth the money in a word he signified to vera that their first battle had been fought and that vera had won and that he meant to make the best of it and accept the situation vera was naturally charmed and when she was charmed she was charming she said to herself that she had always known that she could manage a man the recipe for managing a man was firmness coupled with charm but there must be no half measures no hesitations she had conquered she saw her future life stretching out before her like a beautiful vista and stephen was to be her slave and she would have nothing to do but to give rein to her caprices and charm stephen when he happened to deserve it 
but the next morning the hat had vanished out of the bedroom of the exclusive hotel at bath vera could not believe that it had vanished but it had it was not in the hat-box nor on the sofa nor under the sofa nor perched on a knob of the bedstead nor in any of the spots where it ought to have been when she realized that as a fact it had vanished she was cross and on inquiring from stephen what trick he had played with her hat she succeeded in conveying to stephen that she was cross stephen was still in bed comatose the tone of his reply startled her look here child he said or rather snapped he had never been snappish before since you took the confounded thing off last evening i haven't seen it and i haven't touched it and i don't know where it is but you must i get into you about the hat stephen continued to snap although i knew i was a fool to do so and i consider i behaved pretty pleasantly over it too but i don't want any more scenes if you've lost it that's not my fault such speeches took vera very much aback and she too in her turn now saw the dangers of a quarrel and in this second altercation it was stephen who won he said he would not even mention the disappearance of the hat to the hotel manager he was sure it must be in one of vera's trunks and in the end vera performed that day's trip in another hat they reached the five towns much earlier than they had anticipated before lunch on the ninth day whereas the new servants in their new house at bursley were only expecting them for dinner so stephen had the agreeable idea of stopping the car in front of the new hotel metropole at hambridge and lunching there precisely opposite this new and luxurious caravanserai as they love to call it in the five towns is the imposing garage and agency where stephen had hired the napier car felix said he would lunch hurriedly in order to transact certain business at the garage before taking them on to bursley after lunch however vera caught him transacting business with a chambermaid in a corridor shocking though the revelation is it needs to be said that felix was kissing the chambermaid the blow to mrs chesredine was severe she had imagined that stephen spent all his time in gazing up to her as an unattainable star she spoke to stephen about it in the accents of disillusion what cried stephen don't you know they're engaged to be married her name is mary callear she used to be parlour-maid at uncle john's at oldcastle but hotels pay higher wages felix engaged to a parlour-maid felix who had always seemed to vera a gentleman in disguise yes it was indeed a blow but balm awaited vera at her new home in bursley a parcel obviously containing a cardboard box had arrived for stephen he opened it and the lost hat was inside it stephen read a note and explained that the hotel people at bath had found it and forwarded it he began to praise the hat anew he made vera put it on instantly and seemed delighted so much so that vera went out to the porch to say good-bye to felix in a most forgiving frame of mind she forgave felix for being engaged to the chambermaid and there was the chambermaid walking up the drive quite calmly felix also quite calmly asked vera to excuse him and told the chambermaid to get into the car and sit beside him 
he then informed vera that he had to go with the car immediately to oldcastle and was taking miss scalier with him for the run this being miss scalier's weekly afternoon off miss scalier had come to bursley in the electric tram vera shook with swift anger not at felix's information but the patent fact that mary collier was wearing a hat which was the exact replica of the hat on vera's own head and mary collier was seated like a duchess in the car while vera stood on the gravel and two of vera's new servants were there to see that vera was wearing a hat precisely equivalent to the hat of a chambermaid she went abruptly into the house and sought for stephen as with a sword but stephen was not discoverable she ran to her elegant new bedroom and shut herself in she understood the plot she had plenty of wit stephen had concerted it with felix in spite of stephen's allegations of innocence the hat had been sent somewhere probably to brunt's at hambridge to be copied at express speed and stephen had presented the copy to felix in order that felix might present it to mary collier the chambermaid and the meeting in the front garden had been deliberately arranged by that odious male stephen truly she had not believed stephen capable of such duplicity and cruelty she removed the hat gazed at it and then tore it to pieces and scattered the pieces on the carpet an hour later stephen crept into the bedroom and beheld the fragments and smiled stephen she exclaimed you're a horrid cruel brute i know i am said stephen you ought to have found that out long since i won't love you any more it's all over she sobbed but he just kissed her End of story four